0: we often forget how quickly the happy and joyful moments of our lives can become a gory nightmare. Whether we are aware of this possibility and choosing to ignore it, or simply ignorant to the prospects of chaos, we place ourselves and the ones around us in extreme danger in hopes of a pleasant memory. In the summer of 2004, Eric, a soon-to-be senior in high school, was camping on Lake San Antonio with his church youth group. They were there for five days, and had spent the time wakeboarding and tubing as a number of the families owned boats and jet skis. The owners of the boats would take pre-separated groups out a couple hours at a time, ensuring every group got a turn on each vessel. But it was the last day of camping, and that meant there was one more early morning trip out onto the water, but only for the seniors, seeing as they would be the only ones not returning the following year. Eric was looking forward to this ride so much he barely slept the night before. He loved the water, and having played water polo since the age of 10, he was an extremely strong swimmer and felt at home there. As soon as the sun peeked its warm gaze over the horizon, he headed straight to the shoreline, where the boats would be waiting to pick up the seniors who were willing to awaken so early. It was still very cold, and a light fog was slowly dissipating from the air. As he reached the shoreline, he noticed there was only one boat so far, and it already had three senior girls climbing aboard. They were a group of shy girls he had never spoken to, and so he asked the driver if he knew of any other boats coming over. The driver, who was a father of one of the girls boarding the boat, told him it would be a long wait for another as the other parents got a late start. Eric didn't want to wait in line, so he asked if he could join them. The girls all looked at each other. Then one of them looked back and quietly said, Yeah, that's okay. As Eric waded his way through the water to get to the back of the boat, he heard a familiar voice. Is there room for one more? It was Andre, another senior boy. He and Eric weren't close friends, but got along well with each other. The driver nodded to him for confirmation, and Andre joined the group. He was very innocent and religiously strict, but having him there relaxed Eric. He didn't want to be stuck on the water with a group of girls too afraid to speak to him. Eric wondered where the rest of Andre's group was, but didn't want to ask, as they were all what he thought to be stuck-up Christians. Eric liked Andre, but found that the rest of the group usually looked down on him and others around them. It was then decided the girls would go first, as they were the first to arrive. They had chosen tubing as the activity for the morning, The girls then clambered from boat to tube, where there was space to lay down and handles for three people to hold onto. When they started off, Eric thought the driver would accelerate quickly to a fast speed, but it seems he didn't want to scare the girls. To Eric, it felt like they were dredging through the water. The three on the tube were screaming and laughing, having a great time. Eric looked at Andre, who seemed just as bored as he was. You want to go together after this? Eric asked him. Yeah, only if we can go really fast though, Andre answered. I'm just doing this for the girls. For you guys, I'll make it really fun. Get your vests on, you're almost up. The driver shouted to the boys. They then put on the vests while the driver slowed and turned around to pick up the girls. As the three dried off, warmed up, and got comfortable, the boys made their way onto the tube. It was quite large, and there was an open space there only being two of them. We'll have to move back and forth as he turns, so we don't roll," Andre explained. They positioned themselves and gave the driver a thumbs up. The rope pulled tight as the engine revved. The high schoolers struggled to hold on as the tube jerked underneath them. The driver wasn't holding back this time. They were flying across the water, making wide turns causing the boys to carefully shift positions while maintaining a firm grip. The driver was doing everything he could to knock the boys from their perch, but was not succeeding. The two young men were both strong and athletic, and at this point started to show off, almost mocking the driver. We are unstoppable, Andre yelled. Eric looked at Andre, and they both laughed hysterically. Suddenly, the boat made a drastic sharp right and then left turn, causing the boat to slow just enough to create a loop in the rope towing the tube. When the boat lost its speed, the tube continued straight forward, directly over the loop. Eric happened to see the rope pass underneath them. He lifted his legs and yelled to Andre. Pull your legs out of the water. The rope is behind us. Andre turned and yelled back, what? When the rope abruptly pulled tight and Eric was violently thrown from the tube into the water. While he collected himself from the fall, he heard screaming. As he scanned his surroundings, he could see the boat turning around in the distance, and then Andre's head moving up and down with the wake of the water. It was Andre screaming. A daunting feeling of dread washed over him as he began swimming towards the howling boy. Eric was shocked at how far away Andre was. He thought maybe he was able to hold on to the tube longer and was over exaggerating his injury for attention. When he got close, he noticed the water felt warmer. He looked down to see it was a dark red color. Eric knew this meant Andre was bleeding, but hoped it was just a small amount of blood. A little bit makes a big cloud, he assured himself. Finally reaching Andre, he could see the severe amount of pain he was in. Hey man, what's wrong? Eric asked. I'm cut. Real bad a gasped between wails of pain. Eric swam up behind Andre, placing his arm around him and pulling him into his chest to help keep Andre steady and afloat. "'Can you show me the cut?' Eric asked calmly. Andre then lifted his leg out of the water. Eric looked in horror at the mutilated appendage. The toe rope had cut into his leg just above the calf, ripping down the back of the shin bone and pulling out a couple inches before the ankle." The muscle was now dangling by the still-attached skin and tendons. Eric wanted to yell out, but knew this would send Andre into a panic. Blood poured from the wound into the cold lake water while he writhed in pain. How bad is it? Asked Andre, attempting to tilt his head forward to see. Eric grabbed his chin and lifted it up, not allowing Andre to view the carnage before him. Just lay back, dude. The boat is coming to get us. You're going to be fine, Eric said, hoping he wouldn't slip into shock. Eric then reached down and applied pressure to the wound in an attempt to slow the bleeding. Andre screamed out in agony. I know, man. I'm sorry. Then Eric heard a boat pull up behind him. He turned his head to see it wasn't the one towing them. It was full of guys who happened to be Andre's closest friends and one of the group moms. Holding a video camera... Eric said loudly, but still calm. He's hurt pretty bad. He needs help. The newly arrived group responded with a frozen, stunned silence. Only able to stare back at the two boys, floating in the now crimson water, Eric was bewildered by the lack of assistance. The mother was still pointing the camera at the two boys in the water, with a look of disgust and terror, but she could not seem to move either. He needs help now, he exclaimed in frustration. Just as he yelled, one of the boys from the vessel dove into the lake and swam over to them. Eric was surprised to see Jose, the one boy who wasn't friends with Andre, but was happy as he knew Jose also played water polo and would be an asset in the water. Finally, the original boat came backing up to the three boys. Eric saw that parents from other boats had boarded and were signaling to them He looked around and saw that they were surrounded by all the watercrafts from the group. Eric and the other boy positioned Andre and prepared themselves. When the first vessel was close enough, the two boys lifted Andre from the water and began carefully passing him to the group on the vessel. Eric was attempting to maintain pressure on the wound when one of the parents, who was later found to be a firefighter, removed Eric's hand. Just then, blood from the wound sprayed out, soaking Eric's face. After successfully transferring Andre, Eric dunked his head under the water to clean off the gore dripping from his jaw. While rinsing off his face, he realized the motor was still running and the rotor blades were spinning directly in front of him, inches from tearing him or Jose open. They were so close to having two more maimed patients to deal with. The boat tore off, and the two remaining boys climbed into another craft from the group and raced back to camp. As his adrenaline levels dropped, the intensity of the situation finally bubbled to the surface and sent Eric into an almost catatonic state. Physically exhausted and mentally processing the events, he could still feel the warm blood splashing his face and hear Andre's bellows of anguish echoing in his ears. He asked himself, Why would his best friends just stand there and do nothing? Why would that woman continue to film us after seeing the carnage? Andre was flown by helicopter to a nearby hospital where he received emergency surgery. Eric was allowed to join Andre's friends and family there in order to show his support. Fortunately, they were able to save not only Andre's life, but also his leg. The doctors and surgeons could not relay enough how lucky Andre was to be alive. The toe rope had begun to cut into an artery before pulling out of his leg. Had the artery been opened, He would have been dead in minutes. Waiting for Andre to come out of surgery, Eric would see the driver of the boat sitting in a corner of the waiting room. He was staring at the floor with eyes wide and his skin looked pale white. The guilt of what happened to Andre was wreaking havoc on his conscience. Eric walked over to the man, unsure of what to do or say. Eric was angry at him for causing the event, but could tell he was beating himself up better than any other person could. Sometime later, when Andre was healed enough to join the youth group once again, a couple of the counselors thought it would be interesting to show the video from the lake trip during a weekend church meeting. The majority of the video was teens tubing, skiing, and just goofing around, until the end of the video, which was a zoomed-in shot of Andre being thrown like a rag doll, his mutilated leg. A large number of the youth group ran outside, while others were stuck in their seats in appalled disgust. It is unknown if the counselors purposely left in this gruesome scene, making some kind of a sick joke, or if it was an honest mistake. It is worth noting, this story involves the same church group from our Cleaning a House of Nightmares story. It is an expensive private school and Baptist church, which leaves us to wonder, can you trust the people you leave your children with? Will they protect your child from danger, or place them directly in its grasp? What is it that gives some extraordinary focus, but sends others into a state of frozen terror during emergency situations? What kept Andre's comrades locked in position while he screamed in torment? Could the fact that so many people witnessed the event have caused them to freeze? The bystander effect postulates that the larger the number of witnesses, the smaller the chances any one of them will assist someone in need. The more people observing means less responsibility to be placed on the individual onlooker to act. Is it fear that rules our actions? Are we afraid to somehow make things worse? Could we be worried that we would be unable to help? Or is it a case of self-preservation? Do we fear our own injury or even demise? to such a degree that we are willing to watch others suffer in bloody agony. With the ever-presence of danger, how will you react when faced with someone else's peril? Will you provide aid to a victim in desperate need, or will you stay with the hurt, imprisoned by your unconscious fear? Subscribe to Black Letters for a new horror story every 13 days.